This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Hello, everyone. Rich Martini here. I'm just letting you know what the time and date it is. Because in a few minutes, I'm going to talk to Jennifer and I'm going to invite Tom Petty and the amazing Randy to our session. We'll see if they come. Jennifer. Hello, Richard. What a treat to be in your presence once again. Oh, Richard, I tried to get you next to me. <laughs> we were this close to getting out of pandemic land and into a restaurant, and I out coughed. Of of <laughs> One cough, and people run for the hills. But that's okay. I will see you soon. Yes, you will. Before we have to go on lockdown again. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, my daughter asked me yesterday, she said, did this ever happen to you when you were growing up? This kind of, you know, miasma? And I had to really think about it. I could remember that in from 1970, 1968 to 1972, there was this weird feeling the country might fall apart. And if I was drafted, my parents were like, you're going to Canada. So there was that. But that was just, you know in the boys, among the boys in our family. We're all boys, but anyway. So that's the only comparable like thing I think of, you know, a fear that right. was pervasive. Yeah, it's a little it's a little scary. I just think that we're going to have some, I mean, I feel like we're going to have another lockdown probably at the end of November. Like, I think, I think traveling for, if we make it to where we can travel for Thanksgiving, whoever's traveling, I think it's going to secure a lockdown. <laughs> That's yeah. rough. Well, so I have invited two individuals today to okay. our class. Okay. And Luana, I don't want to belabor the point, but for those tuning in for the first time, just to introduce our third class member here, it's Luana Anders, my old friend, passed away in 1996. Started showing up, lured me into the flip side to do this research, and then I introduced her to Jennifer, or Jennifer introduced her to me, and she's been helping us for the past five or six years, five years, where we've been doing this weekly, chatting with people on the other side of whatever it is the other side is. Yes, she has a clipboard and so do I. And you know that I'm not a trickster. I'm always not trying to prove to anybody anything, as we don't here. But the, one of the people I've invited, I won't say who it is, but let's just say um, it's kind of the reason we... Go ahead. Well, I know this person. Well, you'll know him because, and not to him, because he uh, has shown up before. Okay. And go ahead. You want me to go look at it? All right. Luana, take a look at your list. If you have somebody else you need for us to speak with right now, that's great. But I wanted to invite this guy, Tom. Tom. I know who you're talking about. I just can't even get it in my stupid head. I have a picture in my head. I have Alice in Wonderland. I have everything you can imagine. I don't, I can't, I, is he singing? Don't I won't back down. 
<laughs> a lot of things. I just can't. It's so frustrating when you have the picture in your head. And you have it's all right. Let's ask Luana. Does he want to come forward and talk to us today? Not if I don't know his name. <laughs> First name, Tom. I know. Second name, Petty. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We've talked to him before. And people tuning in when they open up the book, Backstage Pass to the flip side. They know. Tom showed up one day in Fish Bar restaurant. We'd never met him. I never met him. And I said to him, why are you here? And he said, without answering that question, he said, you know how hard it is to get to talk to you guys? Your friend Luana, she's got a clipboard, and she's like the person in charge of VIP passes to the backstage, and you can't get to talk to you unless you go through her. That was a weird comment, and hence the title of our book, Backstage Pass to the Flip Side. So it's Tom's, there's a celebration of Tom, let's just say, a couple days ago. Awesome. His birthday. Oh, I just got that in my head. Okay. So, Tom, how you doing? He says he's having a lot of fun. He feels sorry for us. That's what the feelings feel like but he's having a lot of fun. Okay. Let's talk about your birthday party. He says that there's still some family issues. Okay. Now, for the audience listening in, we try not to interfere with family issues. In this case, Tom came through and asked us to pass along a message to a family member, which we did. And I did it by tracking them down and asking if they wanted to hear what he had to say. So we don't want to interfere in anybody's family issues. I just want to be clear. He just says it's so stupid. Okay. It's Let's just allow that. No pun intended. It's no pun intended. It's petty. Petty. Very good. So let's clarify, Tom, what, you're, what you'd like to mention is that there are still family issues going on and you wish they would resolve it? Is that correct? He says, I wish they would have never started in the first place. It's like almost over stupid things. So it's probably, she, you know, I'm being shown a hat, I'm being shown a buckle, like it's, I'm being shown homework. items. Yeah. All right. So, Tom, I'm going to interview the same way we did with Eddie Van Halen because I used to work for Variety as a music critic. And so, I get to ask questions. I want to ask you some, and we're going to bounce around a little bit. Speaking of your hat, you had a pretty famous hat, and it burned up in a fire in your house back in the 80s. Who set that fire? Okay. Now he's saying somebody did set it on fire, but they were not in their right mind, whatever that means. Okay. That's very possible. There, there was arson suspected was that a fan like a crazy fan someone you knew yes. like a crazy fan okay i think that's the way it was reported so yeah. thank you for clarifying that but you lost some there artifacts was, there was something else though there was another fire i think that had to do with that what he just said okay you lost some artifacts you lost your hat you lost a lot of guitars a lot of recordings what do you think about that now they're not lost. 
What does that mean? They're out in the ethers. The music, yeah, the music didn't die with whatever was lost there. So let's talk about that a little bit. The original handwriting, yeah, he says. Like, he's showing me notes. So, um, <coughs> sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, so let's talk about that. How does music stay around in the ethers? It just never dies, just like we never die. It's energy that gets recorded, he says. Okay. And I asked just before, who was there to greet you when you crossed over? Dang, it was his dad and uncle. His dad and his uncle. Okay. Yeah. Let's just hold on to this for a second. Your dad, I think his name, I'm sorry. I'm not sure. If George. Were, I'm not sure if they were good before he passed. Like, they were not. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He goes, we weren't, but he, it didn't matter though when I saw him. And talk about that. How did you see him? Did you see him like, was he a young man? Yeah. A health? Okay. Everything rushes so fast about all the things that he tried to do that were so good in the beginning. His oh. father. Yeah. And I believe, thank you, from what he's showing me, that he had a mental illness as well or something like that. Okay. Um, or abuse, abusive. Abusive. That's correct. That's the way he's characterized it. I mean, he's called his father a wild, gambling, crazy gambling guy, but he also spoke extensively about the abuse that yeah. he experienced as a young person. But very clear, very important to point out that once you cross over, that's all gone. That's a role that he played. Is that right. correct? Yeah. And your uncle, I don't recall his name. He said he became a better dad because of it. Ah, very good. Important point. Better father, better dad. He swore that he would never be like that. I was going to say, in terms of this research, we've heard this. People ask me all the time on Quora, they'll say, why would I choose a lifetime where I would be abused by my parents or evil, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to examine, like, well, how did you react to that? And if you, that became part of the reason you became somebody you became. But let's go to your uncle for a second, okay? Yeah. The other guy that greeted you on the flip side. Your uncle was responsible taking you to a movie set at one point. And if if you could put that in Jennifer's mind. Movie set. When you were a kid. Someone in our class was in that movie and on that I set. Gene Wilder. <laughs> well, somebody else, a singer, a very influential singer. And I got, so what's funny is I just got a, you know, the, the Oompa Loompa factory or whatever. Which, which is a movie set, a chocolate factory. But Tom, I'm referring to when your uncle took you to the set huh? of a film called Follow That Dream. And if I you could. that. So. No, no, you. I'm not asking you to. But Tom, who starred in that movie? Somebody who was a famous singer who influenced you. Jennifer doesn't have time to look this up. He's in our class. We've interviewed him. I don't know. I get somebody like Elvis. Thank you. It is Elvis. He showed me Elvis. That's funny. Well, okay. Let let Tom talk. <laughs> I'm teasing you. I know. I sit there and I'm fighting with him this whole time. I'm like, I'm so mad at you about the fire. Like, oh. So this is why Jennifer and I work this way. 
as we start to unravel images, details, more and more, they'll put them in front of her. So she, he put Elvis in front of her. This is a true story about when Tom was a young boy, his uncle took him to the set of a movie called Follow That Dream, and he met Elvis. Changed his life. He went back, and there was a friend, I think of Elvis. We've talked to Elvis. Was it your friend, Elvis, Keith Harbin, or was that Tom's friend? I'm sorry. I'm asking Tom to ask Elvis. Elvis, was it your friend who gave Tom a gift, or was it a guy named Keith? Was Keith your friend, or was that Tom's friend? Elvis. Okay. So Elvis had this friend on the set who gave, sorry, who gave Tom a stack of 45s of his records. Wow. That's so so cool. That's the way the story goes, and I just wanted to clarify, because I was like, who gave him that? So Keith. And I think I remember when we asked Elvis who greeted them there when he crossed over. Okay, just real fast. Yeah. Because you just showed me a couple of things. When I saw Alice in Wonderland, I know obviously Alice, when he, that song that he sang. Yeah, that, wore that hat. and Right. It, he also showed me Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He says it was like a combination of both. Okay. I don't, it's possible there's a song that was inspired by that, by that film. Could be. All is of that, it. Is top that hat. what you want to say, Tom? Top hat and everything. Yes. That's what oh, so that top hat, whatever, reminded you a little bit of the Gene Wilder film. Yeah. Okay. Continuing on. Thank you, Elvis. Appreciate the, from the gallery. Um, then there was... You saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, Tom, and that really influenced you because that showed you that he you could have a band. Jumped out of his seat, like he was sitting down. He jumped out of his seat when he saw that. Okay. Yeah. And wh- what about the coincidence or oddness of you working with George Harrison so many years later? Oh, you're showing me the the guy that I read recently. From Dreamweaver, who also worked with George Harrison. Give me a second. George Harrison. Wow. Hold on. Well, we've interviewed George. I know. What was your? He comes all the time. He talks to me all the time. What was your question? Oh, just what the coincidence of seeing the Beatles on TV and then working with them. We're working with George so many years later, and Dylan and. Other people. It was a dream come true. Almost too early. And I don't know why almost too early. Like he had more of an influence. He did a lot of collaborations, it feels like. But for other, all of it, for like his stuff, but yet, but also for other people. You mean Tom or George? Tom. Tom. Okay. So let me ask you, what was that like when you were, Already on the flip side, and you saw George and Roy Orbison. What was that like? What was your experience running into George on the flip side? I was very excited. Sad because I knew I died, but excited because I knew they were there waiting for me. Cool. He's showing me the energies, like all the energies just match up. 
and give us a visual of what that was like. So you've crossed over, and are these lights, or are these people, or what are you seeing? Holograms. Holograms. And about what age was... Sorry? At first. It's just kind of like trusting, like me trusting the information that comes through. It says that it's a hologram until I can trust the information. Until I, you know, until it didn't need to be the hologram anymore. And about what age was George in the hologram? 30. Okay. And what about Roy? Roy Orbison? It almost was like 20 or 28. I'm not sure. So right in the same area. Yeah. So let's that's, ask. Because that's when we had a lot of fun. That's when you had a lot of fun in life. So why do people appear to each other at roughly their healthiest, happiest age? Why do they choose that? What's that about? You have the most memories from that age. <laughs> because they don't have to be older. <laughs> Okay, that's a simple answer. We have other people in our class that we've talked to that you worked with, one of whom is Gary Shandling. As an actor, you appeared on his show a number of times. So what was it like running into Gary on the flip side? Sounds like he played a trick on him. What was that? He told him that it was only a dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> You're only dreaming. You're asleep. You will wake up. Yeah, he's like, dude, this is just a dream. You're going to wake up. <laughs> wow. Gary. We've talked to Gary. How's Gary doing? He's still playing his golf game. Still golfing. So I'm going to ask you some a personal question, my friend. Sorry. I mean, we aren't friends, but I feel like we're friends because I'm asking you these weird questions through my friend Jennifer. He's helping your son play guitar. Okay. Well, then we are friends. Thank you. You went from heroin to transcendental meditation. So if you could talk about what transcendental meditation meant for you and your life. Okay. So I'm like, I asked him, I was asking side questions. I'm I asked him, so did you meet George Harrison? Because I know that he was in transcendental meditation. And he, at that time, he said, no, I met him before. Um, but it made the cravings go away, he said. Okay. So instead of leaving the planet, because he knew that sooner or later, that's what, was, what would happen, but yet he would get in that state of euphoria, euphoric state, excuse me, that euphoric state from heroin and what transcendental meditation did is it, if I'm hearing this right, if I'm getting the impressions correctly, um, you bring down that euphoric state. You don't have to go and, uh, you know, and die. You just, you bring that through. So you can experience it without needing the drug. Okay. Which leads me to a question. I mean, we've heard this before about meditation helping to heal people on the planet from depression, et cetera, et cetera. But my question is, you had a hip problem, and they prescribed fentanyl and oxycodone to you, and they said your death was an accidental overdose. 
were you taking the prescribed amount of fentanyl and oxycodone and your heart gave out? Or did you take more than you should have? He was taking a lot more. He was taking more. You had a hip problem. Is that correct? He just showed me prints. <laughs> oh, and the reason is? From jumping off of the, you know, from jumping off. Of the jumping piano. off pianos. And the reference is that Prince told us, because we asked him, and he said, jumping off pianos killed me. We were like, what? And he said, because every time he jumped, he hurt his ankles, and his ankles hurt his hips, and they prescribed pain medication, which led, which led, which led. Right. I, okay, so what's coming through is that I feel like he had a, a degenerate disease. Degenerative hip problem. Either, like... Bone? Bone. Bone. Yeah, we talked to Eddie Van Halen had the same thing. Out. Tom, I want to talk to you about your birthday party. A couple of nights in ago, uh, nights in ago, what is that, Italian? A couple of nights ago, which is actually the day you crossed off the planet, I was thinking about our conversation today, whether we would be doing this. And I found myself in a huge party where everyone that's in our class was there. And each one of them stopped to talk to me for a little bit, like a sentence or two. Yeah, it did happen. So tell us about your party. How did that come together? How did that happen? And who do you recall being at your party? It was a VIP party, <laughs> but there isn't a VIP, so it's a joke. Um, everyone that he's ever kept in contact, like, so all his, basically it was all, he was showing me all of his past lives and all the people he knew in his past lives, everybody that you could possibly imagine, because he kept on showing me different forms of him that. Um, and what are you seeing? I'm just seeing, like, he's showing me, like, I don't know if you like during Jesus's times or whatever, like he's just showing me different times he's played music throughout history and everybody that was part of that too. Up to now. Excellent. Do you want to talk about that? One of those? Room. It was a packed room. Packed room. That was my experience. A limitless existence. <laughs> a lot of people, <coughs> excuse me, people do talk about their life planning session and they say there's an auditorium of like thousands of people who participate. And so if they're going to celebrate you, all of them are going to show up in, in how they participated. But this is a twist here that he could recall all those previous lifetimes and the people who, some of the same people influencing him and being part of that journey. Um, it's... Do you want to talk about anyone in individual or would you like to talk about one of those previous lifetimes, like the one around the time of Jesus? Oh, it was so cool. He just showed me all of the lives of the people that are still living and their past lives, how their soul group. So he's just like, it's kind of like, so then I don't have to really miss them. Because they're there. Their higher consciousness is there. Bingo. Very good. I would be remiss, again, not to interfere in your family's journey or path, but do you have any messages for your family, for your friends or family? 
other than get over it and stop fighting. No, he didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. Throw parties. Throw a party. Have fun. Have fun. Sorry. So have, he said, throw parties, have fun, entertain. You know, um, play music. That was the next thing he said. You <laughs> had to say it. I had to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I can do that. Play music. Ow. I only really do that in the classroom. I know you don't do it live, but it's a wonderful gesture because it's like ding, 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 ding. Hold on. Oh, He's like, are you going to forget my last name again? I'm like, no, I won't forget your last name again. Um, hold on, Chris is coming. He's like, I'm not the only one that jumped <laughs> jumped off of pianos over here. That's right. And Eddie Van Halen talked about the same thing. He would fly through the air. Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen. He says there's a plethora of people. A plethora of people. Very alliterative, our friend Prince. Plethora yeah. of people. Um. So, and Prince, so this is also a, what we do here is we talk about process. And so we're aware, we've talked to many musicians about the frequency of music and the connection between how musicians all have a frequency that they sort of work with and are come from. And when they get to the flip side, those people kind of gravitate towards them. So... It's not so much celebrity musicians as it is musicians. So if you could just talk a little bit about one of those lifetimes where you were a musician in a previous life. So, Tom, one last question for you, my friend. What do you want to tell your fans? I want to tell them to continue to continue their learning even without a classroom. And to teach themselves, and you showed me like YouTube, there's a lot of videos on YouTube. There's a lot of ways that you can teach yourself an instrument. Thank you. And channel, like what your son does. They say playing it by ear. So pick up an instrument, learn how to play. It helps you to channel your loved ones on the other side and musicians that you love. Is that correct? Yes, all of it. Thank you very much, Tom. You're always welcome here. And now, Luana, I have another person on our list, but do you have someone else you want to speak with, or should we talk to this person? No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'm inviting someone who crossed over very recently, someone I've never met, Jennifer and I have never met, but... Okay. He knows some of the people in our class. I'll tell you his first name. Randy. Randy. Because I just saw Phyllis Reben or whatever. What Phyllis Phil. <laughs> Regis right. Philbin. Hey, Philip Regen Philib. <laughs> Regis. Does Regis want to say something? He says he belongs to this with Dick Clark. They're both there. Very good. Regis, who was there to greet you on the flip side? I almost feeling like it was his daughter. So a child that you may have had from this lifetime or a previous I'm, one? I'm not even going to give it that. I cannot stand. But 
it feels like there was a, there was a, I know it's a valid question because they always show me stuff like that, but I, it felt like either a first white, I almost like got first white. From a long time ago? From a long, long time ago. Or first Let's not judge it. I don't feel like it's that. I don't feel like it's that. But Regis? I'm very close to him, obviously. Do you and, remember meeting me? And I did Clark. Regis, do you remember meeting me? You just showed me and went like this to your head. Were you young when you met him? Uh, youngish. Youngish. <laughs> I met him, yeah, about 20, some 30 okay. years, 20 years ago. Okay. All right. I'm and right. we met on a talk show i was working on it and you were a guest okay hold on and i think you made some comment about my attire that's funny we do have a what's funny your attire did you wear some tie like a tie well i was wearing a mixed messages you know like a striped tie and a striped shirt, or that's something what like that. He showed me. He said yeah, he that's correct. That, but I—that's what he's showing well, me. Well, we have a mutual that. friend. Does remember you? Yes. He does. So we have a mutual friend whose talk show this was. It's funny because if they know you, they're able to come in the class. So, can you show Jennifer who this person's talk show was? Was it Johnny Carson? No. I forgot to talk about Johnny and... Uh, <gasps> oh! You're not talking about Paul Newman. Uh, Paul Newman is a friend of this guy? Yeah. No. My friend Charles Grodin. You probably oh. don't know Chuck so well from a picture. But yeah. Charles and I are close friends. Luana and Charles were best friends. That's how I met Charles. And he was very close with Regis. And they hung out quite a bit. Maybe that's why Regis brought... Maybe that's why Regis came through first because I don't know what Charles looks like. I don't even know his. Okay. Word of his name, but I don't know anything. That's fine. But Regis was a very close friend to Charles. And is there anything you want to say to Chuck, Regis? So you're saying Charles is Chuck is over there, or Charles is here? Charles? No, he's here. Okay, hold on a second. He's up there. I'm confused. Who was it that you wanted to talk to that was up there? That's somebody else, a guy named Randy. Okay. For some reason, Regis jumped the line, and Luana is in charge. And if she let Regis step into the chair, we've got to at least give him the Regis treatment. Right. Regis, anything you want to say to Charles? That's the question. It's so funny. He's like, tell Charles to stop working. <laughs> okay. Like tell him he's tell him to stop, even though he knows he never will. Um. Oh, he came into a dream of his. Oh. Said, and it was it, very vivid. It was very vivid. Anything to your wife Joy? Oh my goodness, he says that there's something. He still he loves her perfume. Something with her perfume, and I'm like, well, you're the one that's over there. You can't give her her own perfume, but. but He's he smells it. With her. He's with her all the time. He's never. He's always with her. Is, is she funny? aware of it? What? Is she aware of it? Yeah, she is. She is. And anything for your Regis fans? We got a lot. He says that there was. 
it was not only the best years of his life, right? He says it was a great time for everybody as well. Like everybody being able, like who knew that having crowds would be such an anomaly? <laughs> he said spirit crowds don't count. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the same, is it? No, but it was funny though. That is funny. So who are you surprised to see over there? Dick Clark. <laughs> Dick Clark. And Dick Clark came through and did an interview with us. And none yeah. of us, you know, Luana, Jennifer, me. But it was very insightful. It was very interesting. He interviewed so many different people. And, he's... and talking to Michael Jackson. Yeah. And seeing, oh, Whitney Houston. Loved her music. Seeing, um, oh, and then he just showed me the Blues Brothers. Okay, John Belushi. John Belushi, yeah. I don't know why, but. Well, you know, I asked, who were you impressed to see over there? So, John would be somebody really entertaining to see. I know. Well, I told him, he scared the crap out of me at Chateau Marmont. <laughs> we, yeah, we talked about that. So, so Lou, does this Randy fellow want to come and talk to us? I don't want to give him short shrift. Yeah, Randy wants to come. I just don't know who he is. That's okay. Put him in the chair. Randy? Okay. Can I ask you some questions directly? Yeah. You were famous for not believing in an afterlife. What was it like to... Go ahead. Sorry? That he's very well aware of that. And what's it like for you to be in the afterlife? <laughs> He just showed me like floating on a cloud and just <laughs> around like on a cloud. Um, Who was there to greet you? Oh, Carl Jung. Carl Jung, very good. And was that was that a happy meeting or was it stressful or what was that experience? It was like a soft land, another soft landing. Gave you a soft landing. Okay, I want you to be clear. Jennifer doesn't know who you are. I know who you are. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some direct questions. Your husband, Jose, anything you want to say to him? I feel like he has to take care of the dogs. He knows how much I love him. And... He needs to know that I'm there next to him. Very good. There are some people in our class that you have worked with and met. You showed me Billy. Billy Paxton. Yeah. I don't know if you ever met Billy, but Billy's always welcome here. But Johnny Carson, who we've interviewed. Oh, and that's why Johnny came through earlier. Okay. Yeah, he did. I was going to say it was like an advance notice. And we talked to Johnny in Backstage Pass about his journey and crossing over and who he saw, et cetera, et cetera. And he knows everybody, obviously. And we'll do this the next time. I really want to talk to Paul Newman. All the philanthropy work that he oh. did. Everything. Can we please make an appointment with Well, him? can we talk to Paul a little bit? Randy's not going to mind. Paul? I don't want to cut him off. I'm just saying. I was no, like, no. Randy's not going to mind. Randy, do you mind? He's just laughing. He's like, I'm not supposed to be here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, just to finish up my questions, I mean, I was going to say, 
you know Merv, you know Carl Sagan, you know Isaac Asimov. We haven't talked to him, but we've talked to Carl. You were famous for debunking people, for proving that... Carl Sagan instead of Carl Jung. What? Carl Sagan instead of it was Carl Sagan who greeted you. Okay, you guys were on a panel together or a foundation. You were famous for debunking people who claimed to access the afterlife. That was your career. And I know you did it out of a kindness because you wanted to prove the fakers, people who were stealing money from people, shouldn't do that. Is that correct? Correct. And it wasn't that you didn't believe there was an afterlife. You just didn't believe there was any evidence of it. Correct. And you just thought that it was information that, you know, um, say it again. Hold on. Thank you. He didn't believe that there was individuals per se up there. He thought it was a collective. A collective, like the Carl Jung collective unconscious. Which is what a lot of scientists believed until you talk to Carl and he'll tell you, nope, that's not it. So I'm interviewing you, my friend, who grew up in Toronto. Your name is Randall James Hamilton Swinga, Zwinga, um, which means force in German, which I love. Um, and have you met Harry Houdini since you've been back? Yeah, he was one of the first. One of the first to greet you. What was that like? That it was a riot. Um, I thought I was dreaming. You thought you were dreaming. And so how did you part get of it, out? Part of, well, that's what he was trying to go through. So part of it was he thought he was dreaming. And then I slowly was like, he's just showing me a hand, like, was taking him um he couldn't find jose and it was too long to have been a dream i see and what was it like for you to meet harry laughing it was refreshing <laughs> um, and just quickly harry were you able what brat he's used a different term but he's always been it's always been a brat yeah. Harry, were you able to reach out and find your mother? This was an issue for you when you crossed over. Sorry to go around the room, but... Yes. <laughs> Jennifer doesn't know what I'm referring to. He but... said once I believed it, then it happened. Okay. Harry knows what I'm talking about, and so does Randy. Any message to your friends, Penn and Teller? Are you talking to Randy? Yeah. Penn and Teller? Yes. Friends of Randy's. Penn looks like she got in shape, but she's doing stuff that's good. They're two guys. Well. <laughs> again. From that side, we no. can't judge it. Doesn't matter. I didn't even look to see if it was. I just well, I just want to point out. Jennifer doesn't know who I'm talking about. So that's fine. And it's proof. So any message for Penn and Teller, two guys? <laughs> he said, like I said. Um, I shouldn't be here. There's something with his health. It's better now than it was before. True. And um, 
and I'm needs to slow down a little bit and smell the roses. Um, he should slow down, or he did. He should. He should. Okay. And Teller is his sidekick. The two of them work together. Okay. Oh, he just got a chair. Hold on, sat down. <laughs> we talked about Teller. Oh. He says that Teller needs to live more. Um, he's too complacent with where he is at, which in turn, he doesn't like life. It's not fun for him. Not as much fun. He needs to live more. For those who know who Penn and Teller are, this is accurate. Penn lost 100 pounds. What? He lost 100 pounds, and he wrote a book about it. He's pretty famous. And Teller, who, the two of them, I saw them at UCLA, like, the week they started. It was crazy. Anyway, I'm huge fans. But they're huge skeptics, and they don't believe there is an afterlife, and will not believe what we're saying. So that's fine. This is for people who want. Jennifer doesn't know who. Obviously the she's. Well, Jennifer doesn't know who they are and doesn't know who Randy is. That's yeah. great. But listen, even though we got 15 minutes, we must ask Paul Newman to sit down for 15 minutes, if he doesn't mind, please. Okay. Lou, is that okay? Hi. No. What? I just have my heart. Like, I love that man so much for everything that he's done for... So, Paul, would you mind? Can we ask you some direct questions? He knows that you're going to ask him who greeted him. So he was already answering the question. Thank you. Go ahead. Beautiful horse. I'm like, a horse greeted you? Beautiful. What color? Um, like, I don't know. It had like spots. Like a, It felt like it was a brown horse, but it had black. It looked like a black. Morel, I think they're called. Moral. Yeah, he says more, whatever that means. I don't know. That's what popped into my head. Anything you want to say to your lovely wife? I left her with a lot. <laughs> um, a lot to deal with. But he has a whole family, it feels like, that is, you know, whether it's his physical family or his, you know, family, his tribe, that um, it takes so many people to do what he's doing. I'm saying this, not him. Take so many people to do what he's doing to keep it going. And what? I think they just came out with a new salad dressing, he said. <laughs> Very good. Let's talk about your journey. So you crossed over. Were, we did, how long did it take to see your son? He said blissfully. Um, blissfully. Before he crossed over, he saw his son. Okay. Yeah. Was you mean he was appearing? Yeah. To him. And show Jennifer, can you what do you do in your spare time? Are you racing? Are you riding horses? Are you how do you entertain yourself? He just showed me was he cool hand cool hand you Luke? Cool hand Luke, correct. I don't know how in the world with Harry Dean Stanton. He's showing me, like, the, I just vaguely remember seeing a picture years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't, anyway. So are you saying you're, you're in that age range? Yes. 
that's usually what we get. So you put an image, and that's about how old he is to yeah. everybody else. Who are you impressed by when you got to the other side, if anyone? Oh. Gandhi? That would make sense. Yeah. What was that like? Was that... Hold on a second. And he showed me the Maverick, or... John McCain. Yes, thank you. I speak Jennifer. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, Paul, I must tell you, I mean, I must say this, which is at some point I was thinking of asking you and I got a no. And I don't know if that was me related to me or related to this whole concept, but somehow it became a yes. What happened? It wasn't ready. Oh, and what was the change? Did you watch what we were doing? Me. <laughs> watch Jennifer. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess. No, he knew where my heart was, I guess. Not that your heart wasn't there. Yeah, no, that's exactly what he means. Yes, I appreciate it. But what would you like to tell your friends or family about your journey? He said, it's, it's, you don't have to believe in this. And he said, that's probably why he didn't come to you. Like, he just still is. Well, I was inviting him to meet you, but. Okay. But, um, hold on. Well, he should have said yes right away. <laughs> um, give me a second. Oh. He said, my journey was so fulfilled that I don't really have more that I could have wanted or more that I needed to say. He says, everything was said. Um, well, let's talk about your choice to become Paul. I'm sure, I'm guessing, you're aware of your previous lifetimes. How did Paul's life differ from those, or was it the same? Privilege. Um, talk, talk about that. I made sure I had money to start giving money away. And you had a lifetime where you didn't have that? No, he showed me like a poor boy in England, like not. Be, oh, it almost reminds me of um, our buddy medium Tony Stockwell. Kind of brings me to that kind of. Oh way. yeah, Victorian workhouse poor. Yeah, the chills. Um, he says that I knew what it was like to be hungry, and I just wasn't going to let anybody else go hungry. That's why he wanted to do it this time. Yeah. Never wanted anyone to suffer. And he goes, and it took a couple lifetimes suffering and dying from a starvation to make sure that I, as well, while I was on this planet and hopefully set it up enough for later on, that no kid would ever go hungry. And That's so beautiful. Raised so much food. It's interesting. I appreciate the connection. Uh, people don't realize unless they've read architecture of the afterlife tony stockwell remembered it a t horrible life in victorian england starving to death in a workhouse him and his brother and the idea that paul experienced something like that and then that in this life chose a life where he could not only express himself creatively but help the planet save lives give food i mean it's unbelievable yeah he said that everything, 
leads you up to a certain moment. And he goes, so hold on, he's showing me a chart. Every lifetime is important, regardless of how it ends up or where it starts, he says. Thank you. And like what we learned, you showed me through um, the football player, how... Junior Seau. Junior Seau, how you pass the baton to your best self. Like, okay, we got this. You know what it's like to starve. You know what it's like to be abused. You know what it's like. Like now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it in this lifetime to make sure that that doesn't happen to other people? If that's part of your part of your plan. Um, hold on. And I just was, I crafted with a lot of good friends. You just showed me Harry Dean Stanton. You know, I didn't even believe in it. Crafted an environment that is healing all those past lives of my own as well as now by giving you, and I still didn't do enough, he says. I wow. still woke up every day trying to figure out how I can make it better and what I could do to make it better. What was the, the turning point in this life where you suddenly realized I need to do something else other than racing? Fantastic racer. I didn't even know that. Yeah, my brother raced with him or was, you know, had some experience with him. And I have another friend who knew him well. He's helped so many people in his lifetime. But was there a turning point like you were on this path? When you said it, he said, he goes, there's millions of people on this planet. He goes, I, he goes, I would have had to have lived to be 800 years old to have helped everybody that I wanted to help. <laughs> but you did help a lot. I mean... We're giving you credit where credit's due. He's like, it's not every day to see your face on a salad dressing. <laughs> I really about that at first. From your perspective now, any advice on how we can help save our planet? You can do something every day to help somebody's emotional stability. And whether that means you need to feed them or you need to send them a card or a text or or give them physical food, an elderly person, physical food. He goes, every day you do something of kindness in return that happened. It comes back tenfold. He goes, all the things that I did and, you know, to feed people, to give them nourishment. So they were emotionally stable. Um, or at least they had a chance to be emotionally stable. Um, came back to me. It always did. It was very fortunate. Um, and I surrounded myself with people that believed in the same way I did. It helped out. And he goes, there's so many different ways you can do it. Why are you showing me John Cusack? I know John. Really? And I know well. John's in Utopia. Well, he's not in Utopia. He's in the show Utopia. Oh, is he? I know his sister, Anne. We did a movie together. A couple of movies, actually. Anne Cusack. Why are you showing uh, Jennifer John? Is he... I mean, he's politically active. Very much so. He worries about the same privilege that he'd worried about. Like, if you have privilege, you can... You resonate with that. Yeah. Are you planning on coming back soon? Oh, and he talked about like, yeah, for voting, you should have 
all the employers like at Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos and all of Facebook, they should give people the days. They should give them the day off to go vote. Ah, like, for voting. Yeah. They make it only difficult in this country to vote, which is crazy. Yeah. That's a good point. Paul Newman says everyone should give everyone the day off so they can vote. Right. All right. And one, John Cusick, anything for John? Keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. You're making a difference. How soon are you coming back, buddy? I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> you're still here. He said it as you were saying that. I'm still here. Okay, thank you, Paul. Listen, I know we've kept Jennifer over. I want to thank Paul Newman. Jesus. I'd love <laughs> Jesus too. Regis Philbin. I'd like to thank the amazing Randy, who yeah. Jennifer will find out about soon. And I'd also like to thank Tom Petty. I can't believe it was in my head and I just didn't It's okay. It shows that you and I didn't discuss this. This is what people wonder. Did they plan this? Well, obviously not. <laughs> well, and then I thought those two girls, Penn and Telly, or whatever. Penn and Telly. Well, they're going to love that. Guys, I'm sorry. That's okay. They're uh, in Vegas. They're a couple of magicians. What? Yeah. Very, very famous. Probably, and actually, the, I think the longest act in Vegas right now. But they're going to be very amused to hear that. The amazing Randy came through to say, keep up the good work and tell her, get out more. <laughs> it's very funny if you knew them. But I you will. Still no idea who they are. Okay. No worries. We love you, Jennifer. Thank you for your gift. And thank you for insisting on having Paul stop by. <laughs> say that one more time. Thank you. Thank you for insisting having Paul Newman stop by. Oh my gosh. I think it just, he just, my heart. I love that guy and everything that he does, even though I don't know all his movies. But it's hearing him, it's just such an honor. Not to mention everybody in the classroom. Everyone is so spectacular. I get so nervous because I, I don't want to do a disservice to, like, I want to make sure I get the messages right. And I keep going back and checking. And, but. It's it's beautiful, and you allow us to see it live on camera. So we all benefit from watching you ask questions. <laughs> okay, we love you. Thank you, Jennifer. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.